our friends Greg Kokel here on Stand to Reason, and uh, we had a bit of a celebration today. Uh, we are now three days into our 30th year with Stand to Reason. Now, what that means is we're starting our 30th year, so we don't have a 30-year in anniversary until next May, but on Sunday, May 1st, was our 29th anniversary. And I just have to tell you, we had a luncheon today. We all got together. Some people came from out of town, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's so sweet for me to talk to our mag- magnificent team uh, and all the contribution they make. Uh, reflecting back on 29 years ago, Sunday, when we officially launched what you have come to know as Stand to Reason, and I had absolutely no expectation of what God was going to do. None. Not anything like what we have experienced uh, these 29 years. And um, and one of the things that I want you to know, and this is what I explained to them because I want them to know, is that um, this enterprise is not about me. It's about an idea. It's about building ambassadors for the kingdom and uh, providing a, a, a information to demonstrate that Christianity is worth thinking about and providing a model that's not shrill and not shallow, but thoughtful and gracious and kind, but incisive. And uh, so 29 years later, um, I, I look at what God has accomplished, and I realize that after the first few years, when Melinda Penner and I started this organization, uh, she being the chief uh, cook and bottle washer, I was kind of the figurehead and the biggest content provider at the time. We've added more since then, of course. We did a lot of the work ourselves with volunteers, and I'm deeply grateful to those volunteers. In fact, one of them that goes back 28 years was with us at uh, at lunch today, and she's still volunteering. It was a magnificent uh, just to see uh, the, the stretch of those 29 years of what has been done. But I realized that soon as I, we started adding more skillful people, that I was able to get out of the, the you know, the nuts and bolts of the, the mechanics of the organization, the kitchen work, and focus more and more on the things that I thought I was uniquely gifted to do. And uh, of course, you, most of you understand, that's my understanding of what the Scripture teaches about how God distributes ministry in the church. He doesn't distribute by calling. That's the notion people presume, but it's not in the New Testament, okay? I mean, Paul was called. I mean, Saul, who later became Paul, he was called literally, hey, Saul, what are you doing? It's me, Jesus, whom you persecute. So his call was literal and loud. <laughs> but God distributes rather not through calling, some kind of subjective indication that God wants us to get into something, but rather through gifting. And then you got whole chapters, Romans chapter 13, you've got 1 Corinthians, um, make, make that 12, you've got 1 Corinthians 12, you've got sections in Ephesians 4, you've got sections in 1 Peter, I think chapter 2, right in there. So you got a lot of information there. And this was my purpose for starting Stand to Reason, meet a need with the unique capabilities that people had reflected to me that I have to meet that need. And then as we grew... Um, added more people that can do other things that they were really good at. 
and over time that developed into web page development that that uh, developed into uh, fundraising that developed into editing i have two editors <laughs> amy and nancy and they're magnificent editors and they both make me sound and read as it were a lot smarter than I actually am. And so I, I don't do this alone. Uh, I really wanted them to be, and I just mentioned two examples, but we have all kinds. We have graphics people, we have video people, we've got all kinds of stuff to be able to do what we do. We have one person in charge of our realities. We just had six this season, finished a week and a half, and a, a half ago. We, we're already planning for next September to kick off our next season of realities. They all do all of that. What do I do? I do this. <laughs> I do solid ground. I do mentoring letters. And I poke around with some other things here and there. But the, the organization is carried by a group of people. And so you're, you're, um, you are indebted to a team. If indebted at all, uh, you're indebted to a team of people. And uh, as the years have gone on, we've improved every year on our team. We've got better and better people. We had great people before. When we end up bringing some new people on, uh, we end up bringing better people than we had before. And uh, and we add posts that weren't be weren't able to be filled before be, before that. And uh, we have to get the funding from our wonderful partners, especially our strategic partners, and uh, we're able to expand that way. So I am I'm thrilled. At what God has done in 29 years at Stand to Reason, I'm, I'm proud too. But I, I, I want to qualify this. I'm not proud of what I've accomplished. That's not my attitude. I'm proud to be part of an organization that God has used in the way He has used it. I have been, from my perspective, along for the ride, and uh, I've always felt like I've had a tiger by the tail. I still feel that way. Um, and uh, there's a certain sense in which uh, I think these kinds of projects just end up being out of the control of all the players. We do our best to be responsible, do our due diligence, make sure things are working together well, uh, planning ahead and doing a budget and everything, but there is a very real sense that I have that I am not the pilot of this ship, that, um, that God is. And um, that's not a pietistic saying for me. It's, it's, it's a genuine conviction that uh, I'm along for the ride, and I'm trying to be faithful with regards to my part, which is to provide leadership uh, uh, in some measure and, and provide intellectual property and do the things that God has gifted me to do well and let the other players do what God has gifted them to do. And there's the, all the parts of the body working together to accomplish really cool things. And I think that's what's been the case for the last 29 years. So insofar as you have uh, benefited from us, you're part of our community and you're receiving from us, I'm glad for that. Take all you want. That's what justifies our efforts. It's what justifies our existence. Okay, and for many of you who have received from us, you have given back. Fabulous. Give all you want, because that helps us to continue on and to continue to have an impact. 
So my, I, I tip my hat to all of you who are members of our wonderful community at Stand to Reason, because you give and you take in the best sense of the word, and you've been doing that for a long time, which allows us to make a difference in your lives, and that's what we want. And for many of you, I, I know this because I talk to many of you at events and stuff like that, not only have you been changed, but your in my view, the greatest thanks that you can give to us is to pay it forward. And so many of you are doing that in the lives of other people. Your boots on the ground in the local community, the local church, wherever you happen to be. Your third column, according to my characterization of things, you're a third column. You're right in the midst of it in your local communities, and you are paying it forward. And, uh, that's very cool. That's very cool. Hey, in, in light of that, it's uh, it's not only do I want to thank the team in general, but uh, I got on board with me here, since he's in town, the newest member of our team, Robbie Lashua. And Robbie, what's up? You're into your fifth month now here, I right? know. Five months has already passed. I can't believe it. Man, it's just blasting forward. Fast, very fast. Um, you, we, we hired you. I have a couple of things I want, want to chat with you about. And whenever we get one of our out-of-town players, and you are out-of-town from? I live in the west side of Phoenix. So, okay. yeah, out-of-town, but not too far. Not too not far. Too in fact, far. you drove in. No, I flew in. Oh, you flew in. I was oh. yeah, I was lazy. I didn't want to drive for five <laughs> hours, but it's it's really not that bad. Yeah. Well, when we went to see you, what was it last year? Alan Schleeman from San Diego, and then Steve and I drove out. We mm-hmm. spent the day with you, and uh, I think we spent the, the overnight too before we drove back the next day. We just took a drive. Oh, it was a nice little yeah, road trip. Yeah, it's not trip. too bad at and, all. And you actually made that trip a bunch of times, coming out to meet Alan, hang out with him oh, in San yeah. Diego County, and uh, realities. Yeah, right? people from well and. And you might not know this because you live in California, but everybody from Arizona vacations here. So we drive out here multiple times to the beach and Disneyland. You, you know, know all why? Those things because you don't have to pay California taxes to make our nice place here. <laughs> you just come here and enjoy what we pay for. We right? take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we and then we complain about the gas prices the whole time we're here. So. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. So anyway, when uh, when Tim comes in, for example, from Toronto, we get to hang with him for a while. We always bring him on the show, mm-hmm. uh, and so I. I called you in to 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 bring the people up to date a little bit more on what you do. We had you on board, didn't we, in January? Yep. Yeah, I was on I was on the broadcast for the first time in January when I just had started. Yeah. And so um, a couple of things I want to um, pick your mind on here, and that is um, bringing people up to speed on a new project we have, your mm-hmm. principal responsibility. You're one of our speakers, and you've been speaking uh, at the last three yep. realities. I'll ask you about that in a moment. But uh, your principal responsibility is to pilot a new enterprise that we call Outposts. So I wonder if you'd take a few moments to explain to our listeners, um, and some are familiar with the concept, but others may not be, um, what we're trying to accomplish with Outposts, and give us an update on where you're at now with the progress of developing this concept. Yeah, so our Outposts are really going to be uh, communities of people coming together in the local church and discussing apologetics uh, doubting together, thinking through the tough issues, and providing a place within the local church where others can do the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about starting these. We're going to uh, need directors in churches across the country, across 
the world, actually, mm-hmm. who want to run these types of, uh, of groups in their church. Uh, we're going to provide the content for them through STRU and through many other uh, Stand to Reason right. uh, methods, you know, and, and, and the content that we already have on board. And then um, we're going to help them develop how they're going to run their specific outposts, okay. whether they do it weekly or once a month or twice a month, mm-hmm. um, how their church schedule works, all of those things. But they're really going to provide the, the content or the, mm-hmm. the community of people, the community to where people can come together and think through apologetics issues, discuss hard topics, and uh, what will happen through that is the the building of their faith, mm-hmm. the support from one another, the dialogue, and the strengthening of their faith as they seek answers together. Yeah, I was in uh, the Detroit area broadly. I was actually about uh, about 20 minutes north of Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this last week, I got in yesterday afternoon, uh, flew in, and one of the things I explained to the larger group that after I did the Sunday services. Then Sunday night, we had a, 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 a great big get-together. A lot of folks came out for a special event, <clears throat> excuse me, special event Q&A and the like. But one of the things that I was explaining to the leadership there is that what we're trying to accomplish, and I mentioned this, I think, to the larger group, is to be, be a resource to the local church, because a lot of pastors, they just don't have the time. No, it's yeah. Learn all this stuff. It's true, and and I was a pastor for fifteen years, youth pastor, then an associate pastor, and it is hard with with the job of what a pastor is. Right, mm-hmm. you're running a, a nonprofit. 501c3. You're shepherding people. You're counseling. You're, you are also uh, running a facility, right? You're running a staff. And yeah. There's so much to it. And it's just, it's hard for them mm-hmm. to have time to, hey, I'm going to read these four books this week on the current issues and, right. and develop answers for questions and emails. And it's just, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And so if we can come along and bolster what the local church is doing with what we're good at in apologetics, mm-hmm. I just think it's a win-win. And then, uh, and then too, in a sense, multiply that with these local chapters that we call outposts. You mentioned uh, a place for doubters to come, and I think this is kind of the point. Where, When you have people in the church, and we have them in every church, mm-hmm. uh, nothing unusual about this, who are questioning, doubting, wondering if this is really true, um, the, the goal is to have a local um, sub-community of, of Christians who are being trained in the kinds of things that we do, yes. so that doubters, questions, can be answered. Yeah, and I think that's really important, Greg. Like, if we can just get people to understand that, hey, the church has a group where they delve into the hard questions, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't know all the answers. None of us know all the answers. But I would love to communicate to the church at large to, to, the, to the people in the church, oh, yeah, we have a thing that mm-hmm. does that. Mm-hmm. If we could just communicate that, I think it would be a win if That's they right. knew there were answers. These, uh, there are answers to these questions. We have some people that can help you to address them. And, of course, this is our goal. I'm thinking uh, this this strategy that we call Outposts, which I actually thought of about 29 years ago. Oh, wow. Back, it was... The, Believe it or not, Mac user groups that prompted the idea in my mind. But we were, uh, that's how far back it goes, by the way. Okay. And Mac user groups was a way of getting, they don't have those anymore, but it, it's a, these were local local enclaves of Mac users, you mm-hmm. know, because Mac was a new kid on the block. Uh, you know, now they, they, they uh, one of the largest companies in the world, you know, um, but back then, how do they get things going? And this is one of the ways they kind of spread the word about this 
new thing going. Now, we're not a new thing, but we have been thinking about, I have, all these years, and now we're in a position to uh, start doing this in a way to to multiply our impact Mm -hmm. in a significant way. Now, you've got, as I understand it, you've got quite a few people that have already contacted you, Robbie, that uh, tell us a little bit about who you got in the queue. Yeah, so there's already been 50-plus churches and individuals who've contacted me about starting an outpost mm-hmm. once we launch them. And so it's it's been great to see uh, people from all over the country uh, asking about having these in their churches, but not just in our country, all over the world. Mm. So we've had interest from Australia, from the Philippines, from Germany. And so I, th- I think that people are, are craving a quality apologetics program to to start in their local church yeah. to help educate and 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 really embolden other people mm-hmm. that that Christianity has the answers we're thinking about and there there are other uh, organizations that we're very close to uh, reasons to believe mm-hmm. uh, with Hugh Ross and they have a kind of carved out a niche they have things like this uh, we have uh, reasonable faith William Lane Craig uh, who's carved out his niche uh, but we kind of we're 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 brothers as organizations, but we we kind of have our own niche, as it were. And so um, like the more the merrier, as the way I look at it. Mm. And they've been doing this successfully for a long, long time. I think that you mentioned that Bill, Bill Craig, uh, Reasonable Faith, has uh, a couple of hundred. Yeah, I think it's over 250 chapters worldwide. Yeah, and they've they've got lots of countries covered. I've seen the map, yeah, you know, all with over. all the pins all over the globe <laughs> kind of thing, indicating that, and I'd love to see that eventually, but it sounds to me like you've really got a running start on things. You have a meeting today, or you know, working on ideas to organize this, to get it down, and you certainly have the people that are kind of knocking on your door saying, yeah, here I am, yes. you know, send me kind of thing. Yep. Uh, so well, your timetable, let's uh, give folks a little bit of a sense of your timetable on this. So we're getting things ready because we would love for churches to be able to launch an outpost this fall when mm-hmm. they launch, uh, you know, other Bible studies or Sunday schools oh, yeah. or connect groups or whatever they call like their a, groups. A, like a school calendar like. Yeah, yeah, we want it to be ready for that. And so what we're going to be doing is developing uh, and, and kind of tightening the screws on a couple of things that, mm-hmm. that we're working on as a team. But we would hope to be able to start taking applications mid-July. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a goal we're shooting for and uh, we'll be promoting it coming up later this summer and we'll definitely be letting people know when and where okay just to make a distinction line. people have people have already many 50 you said mm-hmm. approximately have already contacted you to say hey I'm interested in doing this that just kind of gets them in the queue we know who now we know who to contact mm-hmm. to let them know the application process because there is a process of application some hoops that they need to get jump jump through books to read yep. a Firm certain things as representatives now uh, in local areas of uh, of stand to reason. We want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Yeah, we want to make sure that that they're a good fit for what we're doing and that we're a good fit for what they're going to do. And so there's a little bit of a vetting process, but we tried to make it not so much, so full of red tape that it takes months to apply and get through things. Mm-hmm. There are some 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 qualifications that people need to to sign up for and to have. You know, we want we want to know people are Christians. Right. <laughs> I think it's important. <laughs> That's a good start. It's a, gr- a really good start. Uh, they need to affirm our doctrinal statement. Right. Which is already on our website if people want to check it out. It's yeah. pretty basic. And so they're going to be a few things like that that I have them do. You know, we want to know what local 
church they're going to be a part of. And mm-hmm. if their pastor's on board and having a letter of recommendation from him or right. him as a reference. And so there's things like that that people will need to do. But I, I do want to say that all of the people who've already contacted me are are the, the people I'm focused on reaching out to first. Mm-hmm. So before we start promoting it, uh, how to apply, where to apply to the masses of the STR audience, I'm going to reach out to the people who've already contacted us mm-hmm. wanting to do it. Uh-huh. And so if, if anybody... On a private basis, with once yes. you open up the app, the formal application process. They'll be the first Because they know. were the ones who contacted you first, so we're going to give honor to that. Yeah, and so yeah. if anybody else wants to get into that queue, they need <laughs> to send us an email telling us, hey, put me Don't on there. send it to us. Send it to Robbie. <laughs> Yeah, please. Yeah, don't send it to Greg. That's right. Send it to me. <laughs> uh, and that email would be, it's really difficult. So people it's very might... tough. Robbie, R-O-B-B-Y at S-T-R dot org. There you go. R-O-B-B-Y at S-T-R dot org. Now, don't try G-R-E-G at S-T-R dot org <laughs> because I don't follow that system. Okay, everybody else at Stand the Reason does, but that's not me. I, I'm under deep, deep cover just so I can survive. You know, people ask me at events, uh, can I have your email because I want to get into chats with you and oh. carry on. And I, you know, I, I'm always flattered when people ask me to do that, Robbie, but I, I just, uh, that's all you would do. I, I I'm a slow typist, you know, so, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but cause maybe my publisher's listening or my agent, but I am behind on my book project right now. So I need to, uh, I just need to triage mm-hmm. with regards to my own time. And people are really gracious. They understand how that works. So, um, just putting my, my time in. So R O B B Y at S T R dot O R G and probably start the, uh, at least the, the first group, which are those people who have uh, contacted you, mm-hmm. showing an interest, in putting them through the application process in, uh, in the midsummer, and um, and then maybe getting by August or maybe September, just getting the first groups kind of in line. A thing that I, I wanted to let people know, though, about this in terms of expectation, what what Robbie is trying to do, and if you want to add to this, Robbie, you can. And we at Stand a Reason are trying to do is we're trying to offer you once we you you kind of go through the process of setting up and vetting, etc. We want to offer you um, resources that are as turnkey as possible to make it easier for you to decide you know, what your group needs and how it needs to be discipled, mentored by you as a, as a group leader. Some people are going to be the kind of people that can carry education on their own. They might want to do some sessions, bring some other people in their local environment. Some just want, hey, give me a plug-and-play enterprise, mm-hmm. things that you do like Standard Reason University uh, or the like, um, that we can begin training our people with. So it's really meant to meet that particular need and uh, and, and to help expand um, our impact in your life and therefore the impact for the kingdom in local communities. I, I got to say, I'm, I'm really interested to see, um, what the Lord's going to do in this. Um, because I, if we got 50 people in the four different or five different countries already, and we haven't even really gotten started formally, mm-hmm. I think this has the potential of really making a big difference in the world for God's kingdom. I think so too. And, and SCR is so great with apologetics content, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a new way to package it in the local church and get people involved uh, with what we're already doing, but also using it as a tool mm-hmm. to train others. Mm-hmm. I got a couple more questions for you. Let's take a quick break, Robbie, and then we'll come back and I want to ask you uh, just your reflections on a couple of other things. Uh, Greg Kokel here with Robbie
Abby Lashua, our newest member of our team, uh, developing really important things. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment. Have you seen our brand new website? Stop by str.org and enjoy a fresh, clean layout with all the same great content. The new Stand to Reason website was designed with you in mind. It has an easier-than-ever navigation and a crisp, simple layout so you can find all the sound analysis and careful commentary that you've come to expect from us. Browse new features that make finding your favorite resources easier than ever. As always, it's our goal to equip you, our fellow Christians, with a confidence, clear thinking, and courage you need for every encounter you have as a Christian ambassador. Our new website is just one way we're fulfilling that goal, allowing you to access the resources you need in a new and improved way. So visit str.org and keep coming back to discover new podcasts, articles, and videos each and every day. Have you ever wondered how Stand to Reason is able to produce fresh, accessible content each week? We rely on generous donors so that we can provide you with the tools and tactics you need to be an effective ambassador for Christ. If you've benefited from this podcast or any of our donor-provided resources, including our apps, blog posts, articles, and short videos— Consider making a financial contribution to Stand to Reason today. Just visit str.org slash donate to show your financial support. It has been an honor providing you with a host of free resources for more than 27 years to help you give voice to the Christian worldview. Help us continue by making a financial gift today at str.org slash donate. Back at you here, Greg Kokel with Robbie Lashua. You know, I'm always tempted to say Lashua, but that's kind of sounds more French. Yeah, is it French? I think it's French, French Canadian. But uh, yeah, my whole it's, life people have pronounced it Lashua, and, and that's not how. So we it's say lashing it, so. like whipping. Yeah, like whipping He's somebody. The whipping boy. Yeah, yeah, hitting yeah. people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Robbie Lashua, um, on uh, you've been on board now this year, fifth month with month with Stand to Reason. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we've had you. Um, obviously, we plugged you into our reality, and you've actually been going to reality for years in Southern California when it was called Rethink, right? Yeah, uh, take my youth group from back in the day. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we, man, we loved back it. Back in the day, yeah. back in the late Pleistocene, you know, yeah, right? back in the teens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm curious, though. You've got a historical perspective on reality. We just finished our last reality for the season in Georgia uh, a little more than a week ago. I'm curious what your perspective is, both as a, uh, a well, first of all, uh, on the just the, 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 the strategy itself. I mean, the the uh, what stands out for you about the reality concept as you've been able to um, experience it? As a strategic thing, I guess is what I'm asking. I think it's a great strategy because one of the things about it is, first of all, the content's great, right? So Mm -hmm. any youth pastor who who wants to train up his kids knows I can take them to reality conference and they are going to come away with a whole ton of knowledge and and winsome ways of uh, communicating these Mm -hmm. concepts to people and they'll be encouraged in their faith. Uh, It's also great to have these conferences because you see other like-minded students. Mm -hmm. 
right? That, oh, yeah. That you, you come from a smaller church. You feel like I'm the only Christian in my school. You come together and you see all of these people who hold a similar worldview as you, who want to change the world for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there's an encouragement aspect to it yeah, as well. Well, there's an energy to the group that, uh, and we, when we did Dallas, we did an on, online version and people could watch it streaming. I think mm-hmm. it's still available because it's archived. And we're, we're thrilled with people who can't make the trip, but they're missing something. They're missing what you're talking about, that sense of excitement and energy. When we had 3,300 students <laughs> yeah. at Minneapolis, no, yep. I, think I was you, there. You were there. Yeah, I was at that one. You weren't on board with us yet. Officially, you were you were being deputized, and but we just flew you out there just to be part of that with us. Mm-hmm. So you had it great. You hadn't no responsibility. I, didn't do anything. I just got to ride. hang out. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. <laughs> but uh, 3,300 young people and their parents and youth leaders, whatever, to the, the kind of the, the, just the, the, the cool energy level, it was uh, this is something you don't get through the screen. You don't get it. And you need it. You also need kids meeting other kids, right? And connecting yeah. on social media and being a support base and, mm-hmm. and an encouragement to one another. So I think. I think that is a great concept, uh, an aspect of the concept. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, reality is really geared towards students. Right. And so it's not your typical conference you're coming to. The content is great. And actually, we have a lot of adults who come That's because right. the content is so good. That's right. We don't dumb it down. It's basically the same material we give to grown-ups. Yep. But our communicators, this is what I always say, our communicators are so good. Whether they're on the stage or whether they're in the workshops, they're so good that they make it accessible to the rank and file. Junior higher and high schooler, that's the young people we're talking about. Junior high and high schooler, well, what you call it, the middle school and middle high school, school, I guess. Yep, See, yep. This, is, um, this is Chicago <laughs> speak here coming across. But uh, we always had freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. We didn't have that ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, but I get it. All right. But that's the crowd that we're shooting for because we learned— um, and this is something as a youth leader yourself, uh, I'm, I'm sure you saw that it, it isn't that it's, that kids lose their faith when they go to college. Those people who are vulnerable in college are ones that are already questioning the legitimacy of their Christian convictions before they even leave the local church. Uh, that's true. I, I always thought that you could tell how healthy a youth group was depending on how many male seniors they had in their group. Oh, interesting. Because they leave, they leave even before that, right? They're not sticking around. If if they're checked out, senior year they're done. Huh. And so I always would look at it and say, how many senior guys do you have still on board? Huh. And that was a good barometer to see the health of oh, what they're being trained in and what they're being prepared for. Okay, so you, you just responded a little bit conceptually about reality mm-hmm. uh, as a strategic enterprise. Um, and I, I'm just wondering, as an attendee, and maybe you've spoken to this already, but if there's anything else you want to add, now as, a, as an attendee now, uh, from the perspective of being in at the events, you mentioned the energy already, but I want and as a staff person now, the last three, mm-hmm. I think you as officially were on board in Dallas. Yes, that's right. And then in Philly. Yep, and and people say, why Philly? Because that's as far north as we could get and still find <laughs> Christians, right? In the, anyway, my joke. Um, well, I actually was in a conference in New York City, an apologetics conference, and it was fabulous. And uh, there are believers there, too. We know that. But uh, then also recently in Georgia. So as a, as a staff person, as an attendee, you know, in the group, and then as a staff person, any other uh, observations? One of the things that I love, and this is just the heart of STR, um, 
One of the things I, I I've been to so many conferences um, through seminary and you know through through youth conferences and all of that. And one of the things that always bugged me was when speakers thought that they were really high and mighty and they'd hide in the green room the whole time. And then they come out on stage to do their thing and you never see them. You can't mm-hmm. ask them questions. And one of the things that, that you tell us is, hey, we're, we're at work. We got to go out there. We got to be with the students. This is ministry time. It's not about hanging out with our friends in the back. Right, that's right. And everybody on board with reality does that. Yeah. All of the STR speakers, but even the, the other people we bring in to speak, mm-hmm. we're out there. We're interacting with students. And so, so much ministry happens, yes, in the talks, but honestly, more in the relationships that get built right. and answering specific questions that students mm-hmm. have. And that's one of the things I, I respect just as, as STR, the organization, uh, is, is really wanting to do ministry to people, not just getting people to come to our show. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, that even before I was working for STR, I was always impressed with. Oh, that's great. That well, my kids had access to these apologies. Right. Well, that's our heart. That's yeah. our heart. And uh, it, it's not about uh, kind of Christian celebrities. I just no. really resist that. For a long time, I, I, I didn't even like giving autographs, but... Um, but I realize for young people, this is meaningful. They're looking to peop- looking up to us as leaders. But I just want, when I give an autograph, I just want to let them know that the message is more important than the messenger. Yeah. You know? That's right. And uh, we want our feet to be on the ground. Wouldn't it be great to have a... Team. To have a signed copy of Mere Christianity, though, by C.S. Lewis. I mean, I'd love that, right? <laughs> I would, too. I remember when I was taking a class from John Warwick Montgomery many mm-hmm. years ago in an M.A. program in uh, apologetics. That's where I got my degree at a, a school that he had founded. And John Montgomery is still alive. You know, he still he lives in France now for the most part. And uh, he does a program in the, in the summers uh, at Strasbourg that I've taught at a couple of different times. But uh, John Montgomery in this class, one day day he 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 showed us handling it very gingerly an actual letter that c.s lewis wrote to him personally really c.s lewis did a lot of correspondence you know and um and many of it is you know archived away in libraries and and collections etc but he had his own his own personal letter from c.s lewis so (laughs) that was amazing you're right. So, um, w- one of the things that uh, that you do, in addition to overseeing this new project that we're developing called Outposts, is to um, and we all of our content providers do this is to write for our constituency, one way or another. I do our my mentoring letter, and Alan does one. You do one. John does one. Um, you've raised your support. John has two. Alan has his supporters. So these are letters that go out to that group. I don't know if they... Do they get posted also? Yeah, on, they get posted on the website. On I think, the website. I think my last article is coming out today on the website. Yeah, I actually saw... I got my copy of it today. Okay. So, uh, but there was something very interesting about that article that uh, you're, you're last mentoring letter or newsletter, whatever you want to call it, because you presented a um, what I think was a really clever, compelling evidence for the resurrection of Christ that I had actually never considered before. It, mm-hmm. it just wasn't on my radar. Um, and I just wondered if you could take a few moments and walk us through the basics of that that argument, as it were, or the evidence, um, which people can get the details on our website, like I said. But let's. why don't you share with them what how this works? Sure. Um, I, I like in my resurrection classes, I like to present this not as the key evidence, but it's kind of like a peripheral 
fun piece of evidence uh-huh. to, to talk with people about. And it's it's about this idea that how the earliest Christians were all devout Jews. Right. All of them. Uh, Paul, especially, like he even describes himself, yeah. right? I was, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm right. from the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, he was a Jew. Yeah. Uh, all of Jesus' disciples were Jewish. Jesus' brothers and sisters, mom, Jewish. And they were devout. They were law-abiding Jews. Mm-hmm. And so what is fascinating to me about what we see depicted in Scripture and then in the early Christian movement is this change from Sabbath worship mm-hmm. to Sunday worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Jesus' ascension, uh, the disciples met together on Pentecost, right. which was the first day of the week. Yeah, um, and Scripture Leviticus twenty three Acts twenty two uh, Acts two when they uh, when they talk about that particular right yeah Acts two is when it's happening mm-hmm. but Leviticus twenty three fifteen through sixteen tells us when Pentecost is supposed to be uh, right that's forty first days. day of the week yeah okay it, it mentions it's supposed to be on the first day of the week in wait Leviticus. it's fifty days in Pentecost that's fifty days right or is that four no that's Pentecost. The penta means 50, right? Mm-hmm. It's after Passover. Yes. Yeah, right. Yep, that's right. But it's on the first day but of the week. But it's not on the Saturday. It's on a Sunday. Right, yeah. right. And so they're meeting together that day. Um, Luke mentions to us uh, that on the first day of the week, they were gathered together to break bread. And this is when Paul preaches for a long time and the guy falls out of oh, the window. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a long sermon, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he goes down and he raises him from the dead or whatever. And then he said, okay, I'm not done yet. Yeah. It keeps going till morning. It keeps going. He, yeah, the, I I'm, like I'm glad that uh, sermon, though. Yeah, I'm glad pastors have somewhat of a time limit these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you fall over dead, most pastors aren't going to be able to raise you. Yeah, no, mo- no, I would agree. <laughs> and I've I've never had somebody die while I was preaching. Okay. By the way, Paul, on the other hand, uh, but no, but it's interesting because because Luke mentions first day of the week, and he says when we're gathered to break bread. And then he says, and Paul was preaching. Paul was talking and, and preaching to the people. So this seems to be a thing that, that they did. Um, it doesn't tell us on the last day of the week. It tells us on the first day of the right. week, right? So Paul then, um, in, in another passage in Corinthians, after that great uh, re- resurrection chapter, right? 1 Corinthians 15. Right. Verse 16, 1, he starts to instruct the Corinthians that when you gather on the first day of the week, I want you to take up a collection to help out people. Right. So he's, he's instructing them about giving and benevolence. And he just kind of nonchalantly mentions, yeah, on the f- first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Like that's normally when they would gather. And so we see this weird, unexplained shift from Saturday, Sabbath, to first day of the week. And they never explain why. And then we get another weird um, concept from John. In, in Revelation, John uh, starts off the entire, cha- uh, the entire book, pretty much. In Revelation 1.10, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Mm. The Lord's Day. So now we're getting this concept of uh, what the first day of the week is about, and it's about the Lord's Day. We even see this throughout uh, church history. Many of the early church fathers mention the Lord's Day and Sunday as being synonymous. Um, I recently heard this argument that uh, Constantine actually created Sunday as the day of worship, and that's when they decided mm-hmm. to switch. Was it was you know Constantine and it's does pagan, everything yeah. like the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I heard this, and I I just thought that's completely not true. And and there's quote after quote. Um, Peter, the bishop of Alexandria, says we keep the Lord's Day as a day of joy. Um, Cyprian, the bishop of Carthage, talks about the Lord's Day as the first day of the week, but also the eighth day of the week. So it's very specific. Right. Right. On what day that is. Tertullian mentions it. Melito, the Bishop of Sardis, mentions it. But Justin Martyr, in 
his apology mm. also mentions it. And he explains that, that Christians got together on the first day of the week, that they break bread together, that they listen to the presbyter give instruction. The elder. The elder, that they listen to um, the memoirs of the apostles and the prophets of the Old Testament. Mm that they give, that that they pray together. And he, he's explaining, this is what we do. We're not a weird cult, right? Because yeah. he was writing it to this, the, this, the emperor of Rome. A defense, so yep. an apology, right? An apology. And so this idea of the Lord's Day and the first day of the week, it's well documented. But the weird part of it all, Greg, is nobody ever tells you why they switched. They why why Saturday, yeah. Sunday? Yeah. Even nowadays, there's, there's, you know, the Hebrew roots movement saying, oh, we got we to gotta follow the Old Testament law. And there's, there's so many reasons that as New Testament believers, we're not under the Old Testament Mosaic right. law. But this Saturday thing where we got to observe Sabbath, all of the earliest Christians observed Sunday as the day of worship, and they called it the Lord's Day. Where does this come from? That, that's the big question. That's the Why? Question. Why yeah. change? Um, another thing, and I, I heard this from... from uh, oh, at some apologetics conference. I hear things and I remember it and I can't document where I hear it. Oh, no. Man. <laughs> I do it all the That's time. Okay. I'm doing it now at 72. If you're doing it now at whatever you are. It's you're terrible. 30, yeah, yeah. In the late 30s. It, it's, it's getting you early, brother. It is. I know. Pray for me. <laughs> but I, I heard a guy mention how Jewish people don't have holidays commemorating what people do. All Jewish holidays are about remembering things God has done uh-huh. in their past, right? Uh, Day of Atonement is about God. Passover is about God, right? Hanukkah even is about what God has done. Yeah. And, and so there's no uh, the Day of Abraham. <laughs> there's no yeah. Moses Day. There's nothing like that, yeah. right? But then we have early Christians not only changing from Sabbath, Saturday to Sunday, Day of Worship, but they also now are commemorating it as the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. Not an annual holiday to Jesus, but a weekly oh. holiday to Jesus. It's, it's, who would do this? Where would this arise in Jewish culture? It, I don't think the concept would come to them. Right. Except for a couple, a couple, of, uh, a couple of reasons, which yes. is why I think it's significant. Yeah. So we have to ask ourselves, well, did something significant happen on a Sunday? Gee, let me that, think. Would, <laughs> that would make them switch, right? Um, and, and I think, yes, obviously, the earliest writings were all about Jesus rising from the dead on the first day of the week, mm-hmm. right? Now, when it was early on the first day of the week at dawn, the women went to the tomb. Right. And that's when they realized Jesus was risen from the dead and he appeared. And then Jesus appears to Peter and the other 10 disciples without Thomas that day. And then it's a week later on a Sunday when they're all together again for some reason. And Jesus appears to Thomas and says, here, touch my, you know, my, my wounds. Go ahead. Check out the verifiable evidence. So this Sunday thing, I think, is a proof of resurrection. I think that they're commemorating the day the Savior rose from the dead, which also was the day that solidified he is God. Right. Which is why they can have a weekly holiday commemorating him and unexplicably switch their day of worship hmm. to Sunday. Yeah. Now, the other thing is this. If, if he didn't rise from the dead, so if the resurrection is bogus and, and completely unfounded, they would never 
as Jewish uh, followers of, of Judaism, create Sunday as a day to commemorate him. They would have commemorated it on Friday, the day he died. Right. Like every other person is commemorated. That's right. <laughs> it's either their birthday or, or their, their death day. Right. A good point. So they're literally making this completely up, pulling it out of thin air, and then not arguing for it if it wasn't the day he rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. But if it's the day he rose from the dead, which I think it is, it makes all the sense in the world. If he didn't rise from the dead, we need to come up with a reason they would just switch and not explain it. Yeah, that's that's a great that's great. In fact, I like I said, I had never, ever even thought about this point uh, until I read in advance the the piece that you had written there that now is posted on our uh, our website. Mm -hmm. Just came out. um, I think I got my copy today or maybe yesterday. Uh, But we try to get these things out on the first of the month, you know, just like Solid Ground came out and. uh, mentoring letters come out at that time, too. Well, thanks for that, Robbie. Yeah. It was really good. Well, one, one more thing I would like to mention. It's, it's so beautiful is Christians have been going to church on Sunday morning for 2,000 years. Yeah. So when you go and sit in that pew on Sunday morning, you're, mm. you're a living apologetic. Oh, that's right. That something happened on Sunday yeah. morning. Uh-huh. It's really neat. We are witnesses still just through the act of going yeah. on Sunday morning. Oh, that's pretty powerful. That's great. Well, look at uh, um, we have a caller on board. Uh, maybe we'll talk with Sean here uh, uh, and see what he has to say, answer his question here, and finish out the hour. Sean, welcome to the show. Greg Kokel here with uh, Robbie Lashua. Hey, Greg. It's uh, great to talk to you. Greetings from uh, rainy Indianapolis today. Oh, okay. Um, Good to have so you on board. My, yeah, thank, thank you. Um, my question, and it's, it's an open-ended uh, question, perhaps. It's been barely 24 hours since uh, it was announced, the leak of the Supreme Court ruling that suggests that Roe versus Wade might be overturned. Right. And given all of the work that you've done um, in, you know, with the uh, uh, pro-life apologetic and the work that you've done. I'm curious uh, a couple of things. One, what is your reaction to this? Two, how should we as Christians respond? And three, how should we prepare for the potential for Roe to be overturned uh, Mm. in several weeks? Well, there's a lot there, and and we might even, uh, after we're done answering you, bleed over into the next hour and talk a little bit more about that, Robbie, and I, because I want to hear his his take on this as well. now, this is going to sound funny until I explain it. I had mixed feelings. Now, regarding the legal issue itself in this draft that Judge Alito has delivered, which looks like it's a form of the final decision that is supposed to come out in June, this <laughs> indicates that that the uh, that that the the court, the SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the U.S., is going to throw this back to the states. And the reason is, and this is very important, is that the Supreme Court never had appropriate authority to make this judgment based on what the Constitution teaches. Now, what's really important here is that is that Alito at all, and on that list are Kavanaugh and... Um, let me just look at my notes here. Uh, Barrett and Thomas, obviously, uh, and not Roberts, 
interestingly enough, he doesn't seem to be part of the coalition. I don't know what it's going to look like when they finally sign off. But these are the conservative coalition. They are not saying uh, that that abortion is wrong. They are saying that abortion is not protected by the Constitution. So we do not have an example of judicial activism here. We have an example of conservative, a constitutionally conservative approach um, using the Constitution to do only what the Constitution can justifiably do, legally do. And any other thing that's outside of the purview of the U.S. Constitution, that falls to the states. And that's what the Constitution says, even though it's consistently ignored, that particular part, uh, by the federal government. Okay, so on, 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 the, on the merits of the constitutional question, one, I'm really happy because it's now going to throw this to the states and there are lots of states that will ban abortion as a matter of principle because abortion is the the uh, unjustified taking of an innocent human life. Um, that's also going to be good because that means there's lots of human lives that will not be taken. Now, there's still states, standouts like California or Illinois or um uh, New York and New York and California had pro-abortion statutes before Roe v. Wade in 1973. Well, they're still going to have the pro-abortion statutes. They've actually passed statutes now preemptively to really strengthen their position as a state. Okay, more power to them in a certain sense. That's the purview of the states, at least at the moment, as opposed to the Constitution. Now, it may be that someone is, can construe a 14th Amendment challenge to even states' pro-abortion laws, equal protection under the law, but that's down the line. All these guys are doing is judging on the narrow question of whether it's a constitutional right to get an abortion, and this is absurd, and it's been absurd since 1973, even in spite of Casey since then. And, uh, and this is what they're claiming. And most Look, people on left of center like the ruling of Roe uh, and Doe, because there are two rulings that were kind of side by side. Uh, but they like it. But th- that doesn't mean that it's it's good uh, constitutional jurisprudence. And so I'm glad that there is a move back to letting the Constitution do what it can do and not make it do things that it wasn't supposed to do. And so that's all on the good side. But I'm bugged that Politico leaked this. That is illegal, and it is the very first time it has ever happened with regards to a pending decision by SCOTUS. This is all coming out in June. Uh, That's the standard way this is done, and they should not have jumped the gun. Politico wanted the scoop, and there's nothing good that can come out of this kind of thing because it undermines the legitimate process of the courts doing their business. And this is a conservative perspective. Yes, it, 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 the news favors my view. That's not the point. 
the news should not come out when it's not appropriate for it to come out on things that are private with the court until they're willing to deliver. And I hope they get prosecuted because I don't want this to ever happen again. And uh, and it, it under it it take I think it undermines the integrity of the judicial process of SCOTUS. And uh, and I I just I don't we we have too much undermining of the integrity of the rule of law in the United States already. We don't need any more of stuff like this just because Politico wants a scoop. So that's my like my two-phased response. Um, and I don't know if you have more to add to that, Robbie. Well, I was thinking that, yeah, how should we as Christians respond was this first question, right? And again, I think this yeah. is great, like you said, because uh, it's going to save lives of hundreds of thousands and millions right. of, of children. Right. Um, but how should we prepare was the second question. That's right. Right. How should Christians yeah. prepare? And I really think that that depends on what state you live in. Because there's going to be different rules for each state if this actually gets given back to mm-hmm. state law. And so if you're in California, you might have people come in here in droves to have abortions. Mm. Whereas if I'm in Arizona, it'll be illegal there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's an interesting uh, way for Christians in different localized positions. We would have to prepare differently as the body of Christ. Maybe there needs to be more adoption uh you know, um, uh, emphasis. emphasis here in California. Maybe Christians need to be more proactive about, hey, we can help out if you're struggling. Maybe, you know, Save the Storks needs to double up their efforts right. here in California, in those, in Illinois, right. New York. And right. So how do we prepare is a, is a great question. So, uh, you know, I, I, we have two children. Both of our girls are adopted, but people ask us, Robbie and, uh, and Sean, you know, what country did we adopt them from? Mm-hmm. And I always, I, I know what's going on, but I, I always ask them, why, well, from here in the U.S., why would you say that? Well, they say most adoptions, it seems to me, are, there's so many from out of the country. I said, yeah, you're right. Why do you think that's the case? And they say, I don't know, is it cheaper? I said, no, it's not cheaper. It's a lot more expensive. Mm-hmm. And they say, why would they do it? And my answer is, the accurate answer, because we abort so many children, there's no children available for Mm -hmm. adoption. That's so sad. And that's why they go outside of the country. So what I think this might happen, what might happen here, Robbie, to your point, um, is that uh, this, this will hopefully open up more adoption opportunities in those states that, well, in in any state, you know, more adoption opportunities for, um, uh, for people who want to adopt children and give a home and give a chance to these these children. Um, so we'll see. But also, that means if there's going to be something, even sidewalk counseling kind of thing, insofar as it's allowed, you know, there's there's restrictions now to that. And I'm, I'm not sure the, the, the subsequent effect of an overturning of Roe on those kinds of restrictions, we'll see. I don't know. But uh, but certainly they can do sidewalk counseling within a certain distance of the doors of, say, Planned Parenthood. Um, maybe that needs to be beefed up in the states that are going to provide uh, allow abortion. And so or maybe more care provided for single moms who now in the states where abortion is not allowed and they're not able to travel. Now they're going to carry to term and they need help. Mm-hmm. And so that's what CPCs do. There are actually more crisis pregnancy centers, last count, um, in the country than there are abortion clinics. Mm-hmm. And a lot, there were a lot more. And th- th- abortion clinics have been closing down 
at quite a fast rate because of uh, pressures of various sorts, sometimes legal. And uh, so consequently, what this means is it's not that we're not willing to care for these kids. We are willing to care. We're doing. We're coming out of our pocket for it. So I don't know if that helps, uh, Sean. We just got the minute, two minutes before we're out here on this hour. What do you think? No, I, I very much appreciate your thoughts and your perspectives as always. They're excellent. I'm, you know, I think there is an opportunity for we as believers to show God's love exactly what you were talking about. I think there's some opportunity to step up and um, visibly provide more support where support is needed. So um, I, I, I think, from my perspective, I think. Um, we need to prepare to show the love of Christ and um, continue to, and I know you've done that, Greg, and others have, continue to put our money where our mouth is mm-hmm. and live our conviction. So, and there um, still is a real important place for pro-life apologetics, because there's yeah, lots of states that are, are going to continue with their uh, abortion laws, mm-hmm. their pro-abortion liberties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Okay, yeah. So, hey, thanks so much, Sean. You bet. Appreciate you bet. the Take call. Take care now. Okay. Take care. <laughs> so um, we'll see what goes on in the next, uh, within, well, it's May now and, and June. I don't know when in June this is supposed to come out. but mm-hmm. uh, And again, folks, just keep in mind, this is a, a draft from Alito, Judge Alito. And, I mean, I guess the draft itself is legitimate, but uh, we're not there yet changes could be made. That's their business. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing, as I mentioned a few moments ago, Robbie, is now that this is public, the chances are that there can be a, re- a lot of political pressure then not to go through with this. And this is the wrong thing to pressure the court. And there have been demonstrations, aggressive demonstrations against the court in session. This is when Kavanaugh, actually regarding the court, when Kavanaugh Justice Kavanaugh was being approved, and and, uh, people came out in droves trying to, you know, object to the process. Oh, you can object as far as you want. Stay within the limits of the law, but don't break the law like Politico did by flushing out information that is not going to be helpful for the common good. Anyway, Robbie, thanks for joining me this hour. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've got another hour ahead of us, and uh, we'll be doing that together. Greg Kokel here for Stand to Reason. Give them hell for trends. Bye-bye now.